Konnichiwa Minisan, pods like us a yokoso. Hopefully the Japanese people will not be offended. So let's do this properly. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Blake and Merv from the podcast Anime Shoshin. Is that correct? Because you used to be Anime Shin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is correct. We are now Anime Shoshin, and the reason we changed is because there were a lot of animations out there. So we were competing with the name. We didn't think that was a great idea. We wanted to be more uh, unique than that. So we ended up finding Anime Shoshin as a name instead. And Merv, I don't know if you want to speak to what that means real quick. Yeah, I think we like it better. Um, Shoshin is a Japanese term that means the beginner's mind. Uh, it's like an idiom of theirs, but it's a having an attitude of openness, eagerness, and a lack of preconceptions when studying a subject. And it really kind of fit what we were doing here uh, overall, since um, the kind of the gist of the show is that this is my journey into anime. Now that it's been kind of a long time, it's still, still, I'm still new to anime. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, a basic basic description would be that uh, that Blake has a uh, a history with anime, and you have very little not or little to no knowledge of anime before the show started, and it was right. just an idea for you to be introduced to it. I mean, that's the basic. We'll get a better. I'm sure Blake or yourself will give a better description of that later. Yep. Yep. That's yeah, uh, but that's pretty that's much it. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes it really cool. I mean, I, I like a lot of shows where they're like that, you know, where you'll have, where you'll have, you'll have one contingent who know it th- very well, and then you have somebody who's new to it. It gives you a new uh, perspective on on it, and then I'm guessing that even for Blake, it gives him a new perspective on it as well as somebody who's listening to somebody who's not had knowledge of it before it's showing him things that he might not have seen before when when he's watched these shows and films yeah i'm glad you brought that up mar for a couple of reasons because one like you both said i came into this as the anime fan and a, a content creator so i do the editing of the videos and the audio and all that so that was kind of my side of it yeah and then merv came into it brand new to anime and uh, not doing a lot of content editing, but having a lot of writing and story experience. And over the course of the past nine months, and I think 36 or 37 episodes at this point, we've started to meld the two mm-hmm. where Merv is getting into editing. He's edited some videos for us yeah. and into the content creation side of things. And then I've learned a lot more about story, so I'm able to speak to that a lot more. So it's it's cool because it's we each brought a skill set, but now they're starting to merge together. But like you were saying, what's great about uh, the concept or or Merv's part in this is similar to in a story where you have a newcomer acting on behalf of the audience, so that the audience can learn about the story in the world. That has been Merv's role with anime is to be an audience surrogate and uh, and to help bring people on the on the journey of anime, because really mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is not just speak to fans, 
but we try really hard to make a show that anyone can listen to because we believe anyone can find an anime to enjoy. Anyone. Doesn't matter if you're 80 or 10 and what your interests are, there's an anime for you. So we try to speak to the audience in a way that's easy to understand. Yeah, we like like casual casual anime. Yeah. Some some anime shows, which there's a lot of really good podcasts out there, uh, but some of them go even th- at this point, I'll I'll turn one on and it'll go over my head because they're just throwing out shows and, oh, remember this show and this guy and this character and terms of categories and stuff that I don't even recognize. Yeah. And so I'm there to slow us down so we don't do that. Yeah, quite true. But, I mean, it, it, it's... It's right what you've said, really, because I, th- I think there can be a misunderstanding from a lot of people about the whole thing of anime, because a lot of people will think, or some people think that, you know, if they don't know it at all, they look at it from the outside and they see like these sort of almost sexually suggestive, uh, you know, artwork in the animation mm-hmm. and very action based and they just think that that's what it is. But if you go into it, you've got very you've got all different genres therein. So you've got the romantic uh, anime films and series. For you've sure. got the action series. You've got the comedy shows, and you've got the family shows. So it's multi-genre. It's not just a genre on its own. And it, well, it sort of is. But then you've got subgenres therein of the romance and all these other different subgenres. For example, one of the largest genres of anime is mecha, and we've done one show on it. Yeah, yeah. And that, and a lot of people think of that giant robots when they think of anime, and literally one show. Mm-hmm. And it was our last one. So yeah, it was one. We that's just how long did. it took us to get to mechs. Yeah, there's there's roughly eight to ten like core genres of anime, and they're typically based off. You know, anime for girls, anime for boys, anime for older kids. It's all based on kids. And then us as adults, we we enjoy it. Um, you know, young adults to young children, it's based off the age. And then like boys, girls, men, women, that type of thing, whatever gender. And then um, there's subgenres too. Like, uh, let me try to, military I would consider a subgenre. So you put in all these genres and you're looking at roughly 30 different types of anime, specific anime. So again, I, I think it's important that everyone knows it doesn't matter if you've watched an anime or not, we can find one for you that you will enjoy. You can find one that you will enjoy. And we just really would like to see more and more people get into anime. And our podcast. Yeah, yes. that's, yeah, those two that things would be a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, an, an interesting side one would be actually if at one point you do do as a side thing, uh, or, or if you've already done it where you've done episodes where it's almost like you've suggested to people different things where if they want this type of film, then that's for them. If this sort of film, it's them and them and them. Because as you're doing the ratings and you're coming up with the fives and the ones and the twos and sometimes Blake has actually surprised me with some of his ratings. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I mean, me too. <laughs> absolutely. You know, but, but then again, you watch it's It's like a lot of films, you know, you watch them and then years later, after you watch them so many times, you look at them with different eyes and they don't quite 
hit the way that they did when you first saw them. But yeah. So have you thought of doing that where eventually all those where you've got the fours and the fives, you pick out of those the different subgenres and then make suggestions for people from that for what they could actually go and watch as a first timer? Merv, why don't you take that? Because you've brought this up now multiple times as an idea and we just haven't gotten to it yet. If you're still with us. All right, I'll take it. So Merv has brought this up a couple of times where we would go through and, and take Western movies and TV shows that are popular, whether it's, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever, you know, take those popular shows and movies that everyone's familiar with and then say, if you like this, then here are some anime that you will really like, that you'll really enjoy. Yeah. So it's it's one we've got on the list of things to do. We just haven't gotten to it yet. But Marv, to your point, I think it would be highly impactful and, and helpful towards our mission. So it's certainly one we've got to get to sooner rather than later, 100%. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get moved back shortly. That would be amazing. The good thing is we're going into a bit that's about you anyway. So, All right, very good. So, Blake, what was your initial introduction to the world of anime in the first place? Yeah, yeah, Marv, that's a great question. So I am not a young person. In fact, I do not fall into Generation Z, and technically I'm not a millennial either. So if that tells anyone listening where I am age-wise, um, I'm a little older. So what this means is I used to watch movies on VHS cassettes yep. a lot. And I also happened to grow up in a rural area where basically our, our television entertainment was either the few st stations we could get from an antenna or the VHS tapes. So my mom and I, it was something that we would do a lot. We would buy used VHS tapes from the movie store. Yep. And one time I saw this VHS cassette for a movie called Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Yep. And that is an anime movie. And I saw it and I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. It's like a vampire movie, but for older you know, kids, young adults, whatever. It's much more mature. This looks really cool. So I got it and I watched it and I noticed something with the way they would talk that it seemed a little strange, but I still really enjoyed the movie a lot. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started looking at it further that I realized it was an anime. And that's why some of the the language felt a little strange. Some of the word choices felt a little strange. And then from there, I kind of went on this journey of becoming an anime fan. The next thing I watched was Akira or Akira, whichever way you want to say it. Uh, yeah. So that was that was an important one in my journey, even though if you watch our episode on it or listen to our episode on it, rather, um, I don't rate it as super important in my history of anime, but it, it, it was. Yeah. And uh, just since then, I've slowly became more and more of an anime fan to really the the pinnacle of my anime fandom is is now it's right now and the reason that is is because to be honest i've been pretty disappointed with what's coming out of the west i feel that the stories are formulaic i feel like they're done by committee to appeal to as many people as possible which makes them supremely boring in my opinion 
So it's nice to have this other place to go that we can go to the east, look to the east, go to Japan, and find really interesting, unique stories that take risks and can surprise you constantly. So uh, yeah, I would say that's the short-ish version, but right now is definitely when I'm most into anime. Yeah, I mean... I mean the 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 the, the Akira or, or Akira or however you want to say it, you yeah, say it yeah. multiple ways during your episode. Yeah. Um that it's it's basically a case of um like when you watch any program as a child, you you or but they, you watch a program back then and it has a certain place in in your memory. And then mm. unfortunately, a lot of the time if you go back to these things they don't have that same feel. You, you notice little things that you didn't notice as a kid because when you were a kid, I mean, there's bits of there's bits of Akira and there's bits of Ghost in the Shell and Ghost in the Shell and all these other th- films and programs where you look at them and you think, and you think, wow, that because if nothing else, the look of anime is like no other animation whatsoever. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've got to yeah. admit that there's a certain incredibleness to to the whole lot and i mean i would going go into another thing i would possibly go along the lines of it's almost like when you look at a normal comic book writer that's from marvel now i mean there's a lot of good comic book writers in in that world now but when you compare it to somebody like like uh, you know kirby and ditko back in the day and ramita senior it's the difference between the standard what is comics now and what they did back then with, you know, the, the weird psychedelia that they used to place into these things. It's that sort of difference, but to yeah, an nth yeah. degree. I think that's completely fair. And there was certainly a lot of looking at Akira through a different lens, just like you said, as an adult, when I was younger, I'll just be frank. I saw the violence and the spectacle of it. And I just, that's what drew me in. And then as an adult, I watched it more and I was looking more critically at the story and some of the other aspects of, of the way it's told. And it just, just like you said, it just didn't have the same magic. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of movies and films and shows that I've gone back to from my childhood, like Labyrinth or something like that, where it, it still holds up perfectly to this day. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And even I would say Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust, when we watched it for that episode, held up and was still endearing and a great story to me from my younger days. But yeah, yeah, that one just, just like you said, just didn't hold up. It, I like Akira. I know. Yeah. I know you did. It's like the, the the ghost in the shell question as well. You know that one as well. I mean, um, th- there's certain things about that 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 irritate me about that one. Like uh, what what Murph said about. I mean, the the big one is the fact that it gets to the end, and then it's irritating because it ends and it needs to go somewhere after that as well. It's mm-hmm. it stops the story, and then you don't get the rest of the story until the next film. It's 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 irritating, and I liked the analogy there that, that Merv used when he when he uh, uh, compared it to Castaway with Tom Hanks. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought the same thing when I watched Castaway. I thought, 
you know, it's like he's got back there, his wife's with somebody else, you've got all this other other film that can happen, and all of a sudden, well, I'll sort it out eventually. Da-da, the music comes up and <laughs> well, what's happened yeah, now? Castaway was like was like watching a bunch of backstory and then not getting the actual story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's fair. So what made you think then of uh, how did you get Merv involved then and uh, and think about this this idea of getting Merv to check these films out and start a podcast about it? Mm, it's actually the other way around. So uh, Merv, it, this was actually Merv's idea. So if you want to tell that story, Merv, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always been, this will be hard um, for people to believe, but I've always been a geek. Most of my life. And so I've been into Dungeons and Dragons, played that since second edition in the 90s, have always like been a Star Wars fan. Uh, You know, I've always been a geek and been involved in geek culture. And so I've had friends that have liked anime and talked to me about getting into anime. And um, me and Blake, I think we were at a gymnasium with our our kids that they were bouncing on trampolines and stuff and he he was trying to get me into anime um because we'd had various discussions on western movies and our frustrations with him and he was he was getting me an anime it's always been something i've been kind of interested in but i've just never started and i basically said well look if i'm going to get into anime i have two toddlers i need this time to to be a project more than just be me watching anime and so i said let's do a podcast and you tell me what to watch or we'll figure out what to watch and then we'll discuss it and then that gives me kind of a project so i feel like i'm doing something while i'm watching anime or like accomplishing this thing while we're watching anime and we were thinking about we were trying to think of something to do together anyway like as a like kind of a project anyway in this so as i was thinking about it this came up and then I said yes, mm-hmm. and we got married in mm-hmm. podcasting. In podcasting, because we were both already married uh, <laughs> regular to other partners. Marriage, yeah. yeah, regular yeah. marriage, the boring marriage. Yeah. But another interesting uh, thing about it is that Merv's also looking at it as a screenwriter himself. So you're looking at it from that that point of view as well, which is interesting. I mean, is, is that actually is it changed the way that you that you actually write or or do you just look at it as a screenwriter would look at a script no it has and um i've talked about on the show a little bit as i've done composition writing as well like essay writing and uh nonfiction writing and taught that at a college level and i taught that to esl students and a good portion probably 75% of esl students are asian students uh, and they have a specific way of writing their essays. And I see that also in the way that um, they write anime. So when I when we first start, when we first started, there's a lot of uh, idiosyncrasies that were annoying to me at first. Mm-hmm. Um, notably, the backstory coming after the four story. So something would happen and they would explain why this character was able to do this thing in a backstory, which is basically opposite of the way we do it in the West. And so where we set everything up and then have payoffs and it has, and I've noticed, I'm like, 
well, this is popular, but it goes against the convention I'm used to. So that means something's wrong with what I think because it's popular. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it has taught me some things of like, well, I could learn to use this or I could learn to use this technique um, specifically those kind of like later, later setups and later backstory questions coming out. Uh, like things not being set up or things being set up later, uh, certain quirks characters have that I think are very interesting in anime and stuff. So there's some things that I've incorporated, started to incorporate into my writing and especially my pre-writing stuff that has come from this project. And it's one of the, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I would learn something from it. It's very hard for me to do something without, it being a project or me being analytical. Uh, I just, I don't have fun anymore. I just analyze everything. That's and very so that's true. what that's this is. True. And uh, ESL is English as a second language. Oh, yeah, sorry. If anyone wasn't familiar with that. So I, I, was, I was going to say there, I mean, that, that brings to mind, I mean, that there are actual uh, Hollywood uh, writers that have that sort of, way of writing about them. I mean, most famously would probably be somebody like Tarantino because he always, his films are always done in such a way where it's, it's interesting because when you watch Tarantino films and then you compare it to a film that he wrote in the way of true romance, Mm -hmm. they altered, it's like they altered it and made it so that true romance went from there and it did it the standard, you know, the traditional way that you're saying. Yeah. When Tarantino does it himself, he does it very much in the way of anime, that sort of Japanese style of you've got this and then they'll put something in to explain how back in the day, this is how this came about. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different way of looking at it. Well, I want to say even it's what, it's a well-known thing that Tarantino has gotten a ton of his inspiration from the East. Mm-hmm. So yes. it only makes sense that, like Merv was saying, that he would incorporate some of those ideas, like in Kill Bill, right? We figure out about we need to kill Bill, and then why, right? That type mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah, he's he said many times, I mean, I don't even pay that much attention, and I've even seen him talk about how much <laughs> influence he's taken from the East. So that's, that's an interesting pickup, Merv, for sure. And I think True Romance was his first script that he sold, right? So yeah. it makes sense that it, it was a very three act structure, a plot, B plot structure that would sell in Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't like to take chances, which is one of the reasons we're drawn to anime and why anime is so popular because they will take crazy chances Mm -hmm. and see if it works. And Hollywood doesn't like that kind of thing anymore. Well, I mean, not just in anime itself, but in uh, cinema from that, from that sort of era, or area as well. I mean, you know, you look at the films of Kurosawa mm-hmm. and he will do that as well with films like the, you know, uh, Seven Samurai and mm-hmm. also with Yo- Yojimbo. You you find that there'll be certain bits in the, in his films and then he'll throw in a bit that's from earlier as well with both characters. So Yojimbo, you get mm-hmm. the pre after you've had so much of the mission that is on the whatever you get you get a bit of the pre before that so it's it's a very big thing as well in japanese and chinese and that sort of areas filmmaking anyway you're a hundred percent right and it makes me think of music from the east as well so there's a song that i 
because Merv also does some stuff with music. And there was a song I really liked from an anime and I sent it to him and I said, Hey, could we make something like this? It's got a really cool, like rolling, increasing beat that I like. And he responded with, that is not a chord structure that I've seen before. It's not a Western chord structure. It's not right. anything that, you know, makes sense from the way we look at music here. So I think that translates to the storytelling as well and why you see it's probably not an anime style so much as it's an Eastern storytelling style, but it's just so unique and interesting to us because it's so different. And, and also just, just I, we used to do that in the West, even, you know, even star Wars, people don't think about this, but that was a huge risk. Star Wars was a giant yeah. risk. Lucas didn't take a paycheck for star Wars. He was betting on himself, which was in Star Wars is based off a of Kurosawa film, Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. So it kind of comes from that uh, that lineage. And we've just lost that. Now everything is kind of by committee. You know, sometimes sometimes they do kind of take chances. Iron Man, even the beginning of the MCU, was a bit of a chance because superhero films to that point had done okay. But um, like Raimi's Spider-Man and the Dark and the Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy had done reasonably well but as of late they had not done as well so chances work from time to time but hollywood still doesn't like to take them no, absolutely so uh what research do you do then up to recording the show is it just basically you you watch the film or the show take notes and that's it i mean or do you actually look online for any little details yeah that's a good question so both um oftentimes i'm lucky enough because it's an anime i've seen before that we end up doing it just somehow usually ends up that way uh so for me i get the benefit of it being a second viewing but i always watch it again and always and i know merv does the same thing he's got a little writing tablet and i do mm -hmm. it on my phone and we as we're watching it we're taking notes because we know you know, the, our structure, we know the structure of the show already. So we're just looking for things that fit within that structure as we're watching it. We just take notes and then we've got that to refer to as we record as well. And I think it adds a, not to overuse the word, but I think it adds a nice structure to it that you don't necessarily see everywhere. I think, uh, I think a stream of consciousness conversations are great, yeah. but it, I think it's, even better to have some sort of structure that you're going off of. I mean, much like I've got Marv, I've got your structure for us right here in front of me right now. And it's yep. supremely mm -hmm. beneficial to have that. So I think that's probably the most important part of the process. And then, yeah, as things come up that are related to anime overall, like how something's ranked, uh, the way a, a character is shown, the different genres of anime, if the, uh, or, or sometimes I like to talk about the money, right? How much money yeah. did this property make, especially with like a Demon Slayer? So we'll do extra research as well to add a little bit of flavor to the conversation. I, I try to make sure I don't, not make sure, but I, I don't watch like other videos about things. I'm, I'm trying not, I try to come in with as clean of opinion as I possibly yeah, can. That's a good point. I might look up something that is, like, um, oh, did this voice actor do this thing? Or I'll look up the names of characters because my mind is like a 
steel trap that doesn't actually close. So I don't remember the names <laughs> of characters at all. Um, sometimes we do, we have done a couple of topic episodes, like how women are treated in anime. And we are, I think is probably our next one coming out is, is the West a threat to, to anime? Yep. And so I've, I, we do, those are heavier. We don't have to watch a show. We don't watch a show for those, but they're heavier research to maybe get into some context uh, to, to add to those. Yeah, that's good. That, that is a really interesting subject. You know, the West, how it's approaching mm-hmm. and, and uh, reusing basically the, the, or refilming the anime films, much like they have with a lot of, you know, um, South, South American films, really, you know, like um, you know, Vanilla Sky is based on uh, a previous film, for instance, from, from South America. But um, so how do you then record and then edit the shows? Oh yeah, this is all me. So yeah, this is not um, me. I go, Blake. What what number do I put in this box? Okay. <laughs> so I don't know how technical you want me to get, but uh, I think it's important, just like we are now, that we see each other as we record. So we end up using OBS for everything, for the audio, the video. It's just nice to be able to send that. We use Skype, but Skype, Zoom, whatever. So we're always connected visually when we record. And then similar to what we're doing right now, I think the most important piece, if I can give podcasters any advice at all, this would be like top of the list. Try to find a way for everyone on the podcast to record themselves. Because unfortunately, when you're trying to do it over the internet and you've got one person on one end trying to record, when things happen with connections, when there's issues and it just, it causes bleed over and then the voices sound different. And then the editor doesn't have the ability to make things sound good. So to me, that's like the most important thing about what we do to try to keep the quality high is make sure that we are each individually recording. If we are, have guests on that they're individually recording, and then I'm able to take all of those, put those individual voice recordings in the editor and I, I spend way too much time on it, Marv. I spend way too much time, <laughs> you know, lowering the volume of breaths and making sure the S's aren't too sibilant. And, you know, I, I do a real deep dive with every episode. So usually there's hundreds of edits in every episode. But then once I've got a, you know, a file where I feel that the levels are good and it sounds good, then, then I export it and we're off and running. Yeah, you've made me uh, remember that sometimes with some people I use a, uh, something called Zencaster, and that actually gives separate feeds that are recorded locally. Yeah, that's very good. Which is very good. really good. I wish Zoom yeah. would start doing that. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be nice. That would be helpful. It would. So, what 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 standout episodes or what episodes of your show actually stand out to you so far? Well, I have the list in front of me, Merv, if you want me to start, or if you've got some that you would like well, to throw one, out there. I lo- I, I think our um, Banania, or Banania episode, mm-hmm. which was um, released on April 1st, is, uh, which if you don't know, Marv, is April Fool's Day over here. It is here as well. Yep. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yep. Uh, and so that's also my daughter's birthday. When my wife told me her water broke, I thought she was trying to trick me. <laughs> And that's a true story. 
but so that's one of my favorites. It was really fun to record because we neither of us could stop laughing because we were trying to play it straight. And uh, so that one stands out to me as one of, I think one of our um, more entertaining episodes and the one that was probably the most fun to record or one yeah. of the most fun, fun ones to record. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say if, you know, a lot of people will go back in time, if they listen to one of your episodes, they'll go back in time and kind of start earlier on. Mm -hmm. If someone were to do that, if they were to go back in our catalog, some of the early ones I would definitely look at. One of my favorites to edit and one of my favorites overall, I just I feel it's a really clean, brisk episode, but real good quality is our one on Biohunter. It was mm -hmm. our first Halloween episode, so that's one I would definitely recommend people listen to. I think the Cowboy Bebop one is very good. Uh, we've talked about this one a few times already. The Akira or Akira one is mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Because that, that was the first one. Was that the first one where we really disagreed? Uh, it's one of the I earlier think, ones where we yeah. where we had very yep. dispersant uh, numbers. Yes. yes. Yep. I would agree with that. Redo of Healer is one of my favorites for <laughs> sure. Um, and then I would say for another kind of controversial one, our Bell anime movie review mm -hmm. is a good one to listen to. That one's a little controversial. Because we agreed on that. Yep. And but disagreed but, with the popular opinion. <laughs> yes. Disagreed with the public. Yep. I did think our uh, offer mentioned the... Um, how women are treated anime, I think is a, is a good episode. It's not funny. Like, I mean, it has funny moments, but it's not like mm -hmm. Benanya, like goofy, funny, but it was still really fun to record because it's like a, it's serious subject matter that needs to be taken seriously, but also it's something that is very different. It's handled very different in Asian culture than it is in the West. Yeah. And I well, think you, if there's an episode we've gotten a lot of feedback on, that would be one of them for sure that, people have really reacted to is the how the ladies are portrayed in the animes is the mm -hmm. official title of it and um and i love a lot of them but i guess i will throw out i mean they're all gold <laughs> right, right. some of them are just double gold i would throw out two more as options one anything ranking of kings so we yeah. talked about ranking of kings 18 times but anything <laughs> ranking of kings is a good a great episode and then i really enjoyed our last two episodes which was a two-part series with the simping for senpai podcast and we talked about gundam mobile suit gundam iron-blooded orphans our first mech and that guy. one's yeah our first mech and that yeah, those one's are fun. really good too so those would be i think any of them if it says like list. any of them if it says like featuring another podcast those are those are always fun yeah, we have a couple yeah. of them on there. Yeah. I was I was going to say I mean the the how uh female characters are treated that was one that I really noticed on the episode that you did about uh, ghost in, ghost in the shell. Mm -hmm. Uh because because you were right where you know you've got you've got that scene you've got the the male the the male that's you know got the bio tech on them and you, you ba they were basically saying, oh, the, woman, the the females will always be naked and then the males are portrayed this way. Right. And it's a sort of inequality, which I suppose if you look back, you can think, well, that's of the time and whatever, but it still doesn't make it right that it was treated and 
you, you had that inequality there at that time anyway. Yeah, sure. I mean, you get that even there was no slave Luke Skywalker, but there was a slave Leia. You know, you get that yeah. kind of if if you go back. Um, I mean, because honestly, that's what sold, right? That that sells. So yeah, naked yeah. naked women always sells better than naked men. But it, to your point, it's not definitely not uh, equality. And yeah. Merz brought that up a few times in a few episodes that that problem mm-hmm. i guess or that that makes it problematic or unfair right very good that yeah. i don't like i don't like when it's like here's some boobs and then they like blur out like a penis it's like who cares like if you're gonna show it show it go all the way let's do this yep absolutely uh but also another one that that merv has brought up as well before is the is the pointlessness of some of it as well if it's not Okay, you know, you, you get it. If it's a natural situation and someone's got like the shower or whatever, then in a, in a film or whatever, then yeah. in real life, that's how it's going to be. But sometimes it's there for the sake of there's no reason for it to be there to push the story along. It's that Goblin Slayer, I think, had the was the like most shocking for me, and that was kind of early on. And it's like, oh, here's a cowgirl waking up and she's just naked in her bed for no reason kind of stuff the fan service i guess it's 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 known as yeah and i think it depends on who it's for and also there's certainly a lot of that where it does serve the story so Mm -hmm. a series that we're going to be talking about in our next episode that got brought up is interspecies reviewers and that whole anime is about characters going to different brothels and reviewing the different brothels. So <laughs> certainly that's an example where it serves the story perfectly. And I think Merv and I definitely agree 100% that with regards to anime and storytelling, all, any of those types of things, whether it's our favorite or not, they all deserve to, to exist. Oh, so for sure. Yeah. There are certainly examples where it does serve the story perfectly okay so i will go to what i have called the quick fire questions originally i was going to call it ask blake but i thought that was a bit (laughs) bit unfair (laughs) nice (laughs) so very quick questions then favorite anime male character go ahead murph I mean, Boji, right? That's going to be Boji for both of us. Yes, Boji. Yep. Raking of Kings, Boji. Wow, that was quick. Very deep <laughs> character. Very enjoyable in, in so many ways. Good design, mm-hmm. funny, sympathetic, heroic. If you want us to speak on it, I think the amazing thing about Ranking of Kings is if you read the synopsis, I would I would recommend anyone listening read the synopsis of Ranking of Kings. It sounds terrible. It does. But it's also one of, if not the best anime I slash we have ever seen. So mm. yep. but, but you find that in a lot of places. I mean, you know, Star Wars, the original, is is a relatively simple, although it is based on Idum Fortress, he took, you know, it's it's a relatively simple story. But it's it's what he does with that, what they do with that simple story or with that that makes it the film that it is, and that's the same for you know for all these films really. 
it's a simple story and that serves i mean it's the monomyth joseph campbell if people are familiar with the hero has a thousand faces he lucas follows the the monomyth the hero cycle almost uh beat for beat and it serves the story because we have a really strange world or you know setting the setting is very strange with all these different planets and different alien species and the characters are pretty good they're kind of the middle and i talk about that a lot that if if Star Wars also had a very complicated plot, then we wouldn't be talking about it today because no. no one would have, no one would have uh, caught it. Wouldn't have caught on because it would have made the audience do too much work. Yeah. And to anyone listening, I apologize for keep bringing that up, but I, w- I will re-emphasize that Star Wars is very, very influenced by the Japanese films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we said, it's based on it's it's almost a mix of Hidden Fortress with Flash with Flash Gordon. Yeah, and mm, yeah, and and some Western influence, like Western, not not Western, but like cowboy influence as well. Cowboy and samurai stuff. I mean, originally, um, to, to go go a bit further with this, originally, I think Lucas was half to. to I can't remember his name now, who played Yojimbo to play uh, Ben Kenobi, I think. That sounds right. Sounds interesting. So, because he's very much like the characters that that Toshiro actually played back in those Mm -hmm. days. Ben Kenobi has got that sort of thing to him. So, obviously, from favourite anime male character, we're going to favourite anime female character. Hmm. Akame. Mine's also, yeah, I mean, it's hard to not say Akame because uh, Molly Cersei has helped us out so much, but the uh, mine would still be from Ranking of Kings and it's Queen Helsing. Like, she's just... Hilling. Hilling. <laughs> so she's like just a great, uh, great character all around. Uh, and a surprising character. And I, I always like surprising characters and they set her up to be the evil stepmom. And it turns out she's very sympathetic. I don't want to spoil a bunch, but um, yeah, Queen Hilling is is my number one. The truth is the only anime I've ever watched is Ranking of Kings, and I just <laughs> fudge my way through the retina. <laughs> nice. I say uh I say Akame, and it's you know, Molly does our transition lines, but like I talk about on the show, it wasn't cart before the horse, it was actually right, right. horse before the cart or cart, whatever, horse before the cart the right way, because I became a huge fan of Akame and by extension, Molly's voice acting. And then we sought her Mm -hmm. out. So it wasn't, it's not just because she's quote unquote part of the show. It's because I was a huge fan before. And if anyone is interested in a super strong, amazing female main character, protagonist, whatever, Akame Ga Kill is the anime. I mean, the story is amazing. It makes sense to people who have, who are used to Western storytelling, so there's no weird mm-hmm. stretches that you have to make to enjoy it. And just the way that it's acted, it's just a very dry, serious, but very caring character. Ah, it's just, it's so good. It's so good, and, and um, I can't, Praise it enough. Akame got kill. Another one I like of uh, along those same lines for kind of the same reason as your from Spy Family, uh, because it's 
anime allows this in in the west we sometimes get strong female characters but they're, they're to make them quote unquote strong they're very masculine they just they could just basically be male characters and that's such a disservice to the female gender in general and in anime they let them still be feminine but strong yeah and that is a good combo yeah I was going to say, I mean, I was going to bring this up later. So um, now during the show, because we chatted about it a bit before, and how did you get hold of Molly, who played Akame, to actually do all the voice transit, do all the voice in, <laughs> in bits in your show? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of luck. So first I looked up, okay, who does Akame's voice and Akame got killed? Because Molly's voice is not typical anime girl voice. It is very unique and distinctive and I I really enjoyed it. It's uh it's got a little bit more serious of an edge to it, a little bit drier of an edge to it, which I was really attracted to. So I started researching a little bit and I found her on LinkedIn and on LinkedIn I noticed that I had a little 3 next to her name, which means I know someone who knows her. <laughs> so we were connected in that way. And uh, yeah, I just, I reached out to her and, you know, we started a conversation and we were able to, to figure it out and, and make it work. So um, one of the things that I've been most excited about with the show, 100%, and I think it adds not just a credibility to what we're doing, there's certainly that, but it also helps with, we were talking earlier about the structure. Yep. It really helps break up that structure so that as people listen to more of our episodes, when they hear her come on, they know exactly what's going to happen next. So, um, yeah, I I think it adds probably an extra 25, 30% cool factor to what we're doing. The only downside is it makes us sound like shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, we are not <laughs> professional voice actors at all. Yep. What, what you what you need is for Brian Cranston to come on and do a voice now. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> My next actually would be uh, since you brought it up, Bryce Pappenbrook. Yep. If Bryce Pappenbrook ever listens to this podcast, we would love to have you do some lines for us. He would be <laughs> my my next favorite uh, voice actor for sure. I I wonder if Molly would actually come on and chat with you about her career. We've, we've talked about that mm -hmm. um, a few times um, and actually we're uh, trying to work with her right now a little bit. We're going to be at a local anime conference in June yep. and we're going to hopefully get her to record a little something for us for that as well. But yeah, um, we've talked about kind of timing wise when we want to approach her for to do an episode, like you said. Um, but yeah, it's a great idea and something we definitely like to do. Because there's there's certain um, there's something different to it all because voice acting is a, a an art in itself for most voice actors. But there's a certain thing about I mean we remember films of old where they've been dubbed and they've been dubbed terribly mm -hmm. back in the day. You know you, you can reel them off films that we watch. You know old martial arts films or whatever, uh, and they're really bad, but but the way that she does it and a lot of other people since, I mean, recently, a lot of anime, you've got some really good 
good voice actors in Americans and otherwise lending their voices to it. And it's almost seamless as well. So there's a certain art to it that, you know, is, is really good. It's come a long way. And I like how the voice actors are kind of becoming uh, famous or popular and are sometimes getting the live action roles even, as opposed to like a lot of more recent animations in the West where they just use like, hey, here's George Clooney. And I'm yeah. watching it and I'm like, oh, that's George Clooney doing that dog voice. And now George Clooney's great and he's a great actor. But when I hear a voice actor, when I hear a lot of times when I hear an actor just doing a, a voice as opposed to a voice actor, it pulls me out of whatever I'm watching. And then I, you kind of realize you're watching it, a, a cartoon, you know, or an animation. Well, Marv, like you were saying, the older dubs could not be more different than the modern ones. Localization, which is what they call it, where you take the original Japanese language track voice acting and you localize it to English, for example, uh, has come a long way to where they've figured out ways to make the mouth movements look really good, if not perfect, where the emoting is significantly improved. And there used to be this battle between dubbed anime and subbed anime. And a lot of the fandom would say, if you don't love subbed anime, you're not a real anime fan because you're not listening to it the way that the creators intended and yada, yada, yada. And when I first started becoming a fan, that was primarily what people would say. And now it's completely flipped where the, the sub only fans have lost their argument <laughs> to be frank. And now you've got much, many, much and more people that are, you know, into the dubs, looking for the dubs, want the high quality dub because it's there and it's on offer. We've got a bonus episode. It's just me for about 20 minutes ranting on this dubs versus subs thing. If anyone's interested in more detail, it's a there, good, but. good episode. Well researched and well argued. Thank and you. Blake wins thank you, thank is what you. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think so. And uh, dubs win for sure at yeah. this point. So what's your favorite anime soundtrack? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I mean, I mine is probably Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's got so, it's got an Asian plus cowboy western kind of mix and does a lot with even jazz and other forms of music that I think uh work really well with the animation itself and just to listen to. Anime soundtracks are a big deal, especially when it comes to those opening and closing songs mm -hmm. and how they usually change as a series progresses. You'll see the opening and closing sound uh, songs change. And it, the answer for me, Marv, to this question would totally depend on when you asked it, but asking me right now today, there's a song that is attached to an anime, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for a future episode, but there's a song that's attached to an anime, and it stuck with it through both seasons of said anime because it's that good. They did not change it. And it's from the anime 86, and it's the closing song. Um, and maybe I can quickly get it pulled up. Um, 
Here we go. It's called Avid. Uh, I by Sawano Sawano something, but it's called Avid A V I D. So if anyone were just to search '86 anime Avid, you would find it. But the thing about the '86 anime, and this is where the spoiler comes in for our episode, there is not an anime that has brought real tears to my eyes as much as the anime '86. And when I say real tears, I mean actual like drops of water coming out of my eyeballs and streaming down my face. And that song is so part and parcel of that. I was having I was having my wife listen to it the other day and when it came on and the main chorus starts like I started to get emotional just hearing it. So total long answer, but right now it's the uh, the soundtrack to the anime '86. So that that's that's uh, that's that music that, that you've said there. So what's your favorite opening to an anime? Hmm, like the animation opening or like the song opening? Anything. So the the either actually, I'll go with what's your favorite opening animation of mm. of a film or a series. So like I'm an odd taxi. I'm oh, going good. odd taxi. That's a good because it's 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 kind of goofy, and the show is just as I I re, another one that we kind of disagreed on. Spoiler: If you go back and listen, but it was weird and serious at the same time. It just had this tone that was spot on, and uh, you mentioned Cranston earlier. It's I call it Breaking Bad: The Furries Edition. And it's got this, this, that's the tone of it. And the opening has this kind of uh, quirky uh, animation and song that I think just hit this tone. And so that was, that's one I really like. Yeah. I, ju- I tried to jump in quick because one that I love is Cowboy Bebop. And I thought yeah. Merv was going to take that. <laughs> um, just the way that color is used in the opening and the simplicity of it with the jazz music. It's got a very memorable, very cool opening. Something a little newer, something a little more modern would be the most recent or last season of Attack on Titan. And there's uh, just really cool heavy metal soundtrack, and it takes you through kind of a journey of all of Attack on Titan and the season. So if you're someone who's stuck with it for the 80-odd episodes it's been going, as you watch that opening, it's it's quite impactful, and it's one of the ones I never skip whenever I watch Attack on Titan. I always watch that intro all the way through. So favorite, that's your favorite opening. What's your favorite ending? And I know it's not going to be Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> <laughs> well, ending story ending or ending like credits ending, I guess I would ask. Suppose, um, like, like, Okay, what's it, without giving away too much about the, the actual films, what's your favorite ending to one of the films, like mm, story-wise? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll jump in and say uh, we watched a movie and did an episode on it called Your Name. Mm-hmm. And Your Name is a, it's a very accessible story that almost anyone could enjoy. Like the whole family could watch this. You know, it's it's a very enjoyable anime movie for anyone, and it would be a great place to start if someone's interested in anime. But the reason I like, without giving it away, the reason I like the ending of Your Name 
is because you're left a little bit to the imagination. You kind kind of in a ghost in the shell way where it doesn't completely tell you everything, but it's given it you're given enough to where you're going to conjure up something that's really good and it gives you enough to where you don't feel unsatisfied and it's all good. <laughs> so it's all positive. So I would say the end of your name off the top of my head is, is one of my favorite endings for sure. The um, one that sprang to mind is actually very, it's similar to your name. We did an episode on called erased and I like how they did the ending uh, because I'm just going to say everything wasn't tied up like you would expect a movie like Erased to be. It's This is not spoiler. It's a time travel movie. And usually when in time travel things, everything's like neatly wrapped up and it's not. And it kind of has a surprising end. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the reasons why Back to the Future, the first one, was a perfect ending. Mm-hmm. Because you left there wondering for many years and then all of a sudden they decided to do a sequel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you're wondering, like, where are they going? What's the next adventure going to be? You got a satisfying ending to the story that you were presented, but more was left to your imagination. And I would say both your name and Erased have elements of that, uh, where you are satisfied with the ending. Because one thing we rail against hard on our show is, things that are unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. So whether it's an ending or an episode or the way a character, if if it's not satisfying, we immediately are like docking points off. So um, that's what's nice about these is they're satisfying plus, I would and say. And those are both kind of one one and dones. Your mm-hmm. name is a movie and Erase is a one miniseries. So it's just kind of a, a one and done. Sometimes it's hard to get a satisfying conclusion to season one of this yep. this show. But so we really like the ones that do do that. And I think Ranking mm-hmm. of Kings is one. Odd Taxi is one that immediately spring to mind um, where the first season you could just watch that and be done and be fine. Yeah, just to expand on this a little bit. Too many stories now are trying to save things for later. Mm-hmm. So they'll give you an unsatisfying season because they don't want to, they don't want to give up this cool ending until season eight, you know. So they're they're just dragging you along, and it feels very unsatisfying. The good shows and series, and a lot of anime does this, whether it's you know Ranking of Kings, uh, Steins Gate would be another really good example mm-hmm. where you get a satisfying conclusion to the main story that you're presented but throughout the series other story beats are sprinkled in so it has another place to go it has somewhere else to go in subsequent seasons and to us that's like the best possible way you could do it the best possible way you could set up multiple seasons and if you want to and if i'm gonna throw in another one just because those are both kind of those are like romance me kind of e genre so if, if you want like an action one that I th- thought had a really good ending, then um, the movie Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, I thought had a very satisfying, I talk about choices a lot and a good character choice at the end is always something that's going to um, satisfy me. And so that has a nice choice at the end that a character has to make. That's a difficult choice because if you're choosing between bad and good, 
that's an easy choice. You, you, you choose good, but if you're choosing between bad and bad or good and good, that's the tough choices. And so this character has to make a tough choice. And I think we both like Jujutsu Kaisen zero better than the season one of Jujutsu mm-hmm. Kaisen. Yeah, Though I like the movie uh, a little bit more, I think, as yeah. I recall. Well, Blake has already done his favorite song from an anime. So what's Merv's favorite song from an anime? The I I don't know what it's called, but the uh, Vinland Saga, the second half of the first season, it it's like this folky kind of Viking song that I is fits the tone of the show so well, and that one I always listen to because I also like kind of guitar and and um, folky stuff is always going to be a little bit better for me than like uh, electronica or EDM or house music and that kind of thing. And so it's when it comes on it, it's rare that I, that there's like this kind of folky finger picking guitar thing. And that's, um, that's the one that I think stands out to me as the one I like, but I have no idea what it's called. But in that same anime Vinland saga, there's a Japanese rock group called survive said the prophet. And they have a song, it's the opening song called Mukanjio. And I was talking earlier about the way that um, Japanese artists do kind of this rolling rock tempo. And Merv was like, I don't, that's not anything from here in the West. (laughs) That song by Survive Said the Prophet from Vinland Saga is an amazing song. And it has that rolling tempo, that rolling beat that I was talking about earlier. The music from that show is is solid all around. What's your favorite overall scene from any man from any anime? I really hate to be just ranking of kings. Everything. I, know, I was kings, trying to but... think of something else too. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think we um, I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, and for me, it's the final fight between Boji and the king, who is his father, at the end of that series of season one of ranking of kings everything about that scene is is done perfectly the scale of it the epicness of it the way the action is shown which to be honest can often be a struggle for anime sometimes they like to show the ending of an action movement but not the actual action happening itself so they'll show the swords hitting each other but they won't show the sword swing if that makes sense this fight is drawn and animated perfectly. The emotion is there. The scale is there. The color choices are even done in a way to support the emotion of the scene. It's a it's a perfect scene. It's a perfect conclusion to one of, if not the best, seasons of anime I've ever watched in my life. So I uh, can't sing it enough praises. And it's an amazing payoff for all this setup that was done throughout many 20-something episodes it's funny you say that because um so go, go into the, the the marvel thing i mean recently i watched the i watched the doctor strange 2 film and mm-hmm. i was watching that and there's a, a certain sequence in that where you know this is this is giving it away but where they go to an alternative version of earth and there's the um the illuminati there and they face off against the the version of wonder in there 
there's some really clever direction there by Sam Raimi in the fight sequence where it doesn't get gory, shall we say. It doesn't, he films it in such a way where you know exactly what's happening, but you don't need to see every little bit of it. It's hinted at, you know Mm. what's happened. And that's probably the best bits for me of that film because there's certain bits about the film that, irritate the hell out of me and some <laughs> yeah. bits that I do like and bits that I don't like about it. And, but that bit particularly jumped out at me as really good with that sort yeah, well, of I mean, thing to it. Yeah. Sam, Sam Raimi is a genius. It, that, that scene all worked, but man, I wish that movie was rated R. Yeah. Could, so it could really Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, so it could well, really Sam Raimi. And for us, Marv, you brought this up for us. Sam Raimi is a, uh, is a very important figure because he's a local transplant for us he's from michigan the state that we're from in in the united states so uh anything sam raimi is certainly near and dear to our hearts 100 percent but it's irritated me because after the fact that the film would come out suddenly somebody pointed out that there were 40 minutes taken out of the film oh wow that's a lot they'd filmed and i thought because i did a review for it on my own website and okay. part of my review was about it that two of my biggest niggles are the speed in which you get the the, the turn of one that yes that that happens too quick and in my opinion i'm thinking that there was probably a build up to that that they've taken out to speed the film up because they'd already had so many long long marvel films i think they wanted to cut it down and I think it's a bad idea to do that personally. And then the bit where they had gone to the alternative earth as well, and you had the bit with the Illuminati, which were the best bits in a sense, that was rushed as well. And we could, they could have done it with a bit more there. And I'm wondering if they've actually taken out bits of there and there to speed the film up, but it's doing that damages the actual film in a way because you don't get that build up. Are we oh, going to start hashtag about, release the Raimi cut? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> talk, about yeah. betting on the, talk about betting on the wrong horse, though, because they've put out all of these new Marvel properties that people aren't sold on yet, and they've made them these very long, bloated slogs of a movie. And then the one that is the legacy property that people are familiar with and excited about is the one that they decide to cut to ribbons. So to me, it's just completely betting on the wrong horse and i i'll be honest i feel like marvel's a little lost in this phase especially when compared to the last one they're i don't feel like i feel like they're rudderless directionless um for sure yeah and i'll I'll put i'll put my thing out there and say that i think the best thing in this phase so far is shang chi oh nice nice and an eastern influenced property 100%. So definitely something that uh that is in our wheelhouse. Yep. Yeah. It else matters they they've got an impeccable cast, you know, with Tony Leong and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, um, I'm a huge Michelle Yeoh fan. So am I. Huge. Very much. Yeah. I haven't seen that new one uh that I heard's real good. Um wasn't she the one in the other dimensions? Everything, one? everywhere, all at once, or something yeah. like that. That's I kept wanting to call it "Everywhere's ev- Everything's Eventual." That's the Stephen King yeah. thing. Because it, it's interesting that you mentioned that with all these people's people's reviews saying um, this this is what they should have done on Marvel. Mm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that too. It's but. risky and it's, you know, uh, interesting and not mm-hmm. boring snoring done by committee. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, a lot of the Marvel movies written are almost written in the Marvel style of so the Marvel way was the artist would just draw he'd get a basic plot and then draw it and then Stan Stanley invented this Stanley would go in and write the words and the new Marvel movies are written almost like this where they have here's our huge set pieces now connect these like we've already done these these pieces we've already started the the cgi process on these set pieces now get us get us to those things and so sometimes writers are trapped in these kind of small um small segments and to to just get to those big action set pieces yeah but that that's the mistake that uh, that i mean it cost dc films big time that did because they were trying to connect too quickly in a way. And, mm-hmm. and in a sense, their films, DC are better when there isn't that connectivity and they're just taking it as a single property mm-hmm. and doing it that way. Because if you're trying to connect something to something, to something too quickly, you got, you're going to have a problem there because at least, at least with the first few, few phases of, of Marvel, you had a build. In, in essence, so the first films of the individuals, they were individual films and weren't, there was no connectivity except like one sequence at the end of each film or whatever. Other than that, they were their yeah. own solo film until you got to the first Avengers and then suddenly they're trying to connect everything and everything. And yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say this though, I am a fan of the Snyder Cut. I did really enjoy that a lot. When it's just too long for me to sit there. Oh, not for me. I loved it. <laughs> no. I loved it. Just don't have that attention span. <laughs> just, just cut it into four bits, Mervyn. That's then what go, people go, say. You know, yeah, do, like you know, it, like, yeah. It's well, like a well, mini series. To, to your point, it even is. Like as you hmm. watch it, it's like part one and then an hour or whatever, and then part two and then like an hour. So it's even like segmented. Like I should four. watch it because I'll even say I didn't I don't I didn't hate the Justice League movie. I like I think Ben Affleck is the best Batman. I said it. Yeah, I think that's a fair. I have more nostalgia berries for Michael Keaton. For sure. <laughs> but from a Michael Keaton's a great Bruce Wayne, not a very good Batman. Yeah. I yeah. So really got... want to see what he's like in that flash film. Yeah. Yeah, it'll Michael be interesting. Yeah. 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 I'm probably more interested in Michael Keaton in the flash film than Flash. The Flash. <laughs> Ezra Miller. Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 So I can't believe I've put this. Who would you say is the closest anime character to yourselves, uh, Merv? Uh, what's his name from um, Steins Gate? Uh, starts with a D. Du- Duma. Da- uh, uh, oh, um, Daru. Pervert- Daru. Daru. There it is. Yeah, Daru yeah. from Steins Gate. Um, the fat perverted kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good one. <laughs> um, I can't uh, see it personally. who is the closest to me that's a tough one to to come up with um redo of healer probably (laughs) 
What's the main character's name in Redo of Healing? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't. I really don't get connected to the characters that are so much like me as uh as the characters that are different than me. Um, let me think on it a minute, Marvin. I'll come back to you once something pops into my head. Well, while you're thinking about that, Merv, what's your favorite relationship in an anime? Man. See, I immediately want to go back to Ranking of Kings because Boji and Kage are like such a good, such a good friendship. But I'll, I'll give a different one um, because I think that's a, you know, we've been to that well um, so many times. Um so I'll go um, Steins Gate, which I've I've talked about a couple times, but it's Steins Gate's a very good. It's a time long time travel uh, season for like one season. The, it's two seasons, but the first one is like a, a standalone. Um, and uh, Ocarine, the main character, and his relationship with Christine, who he calls Christina. Um, that's not her real name, but he just assigns people names. Um, and the way their relationship kind of comes and goes and blossoms, I think is very, very fun. And again, like it, that has a very good ending choice uh, that season. That's good. All right. So first, the character that I would associate myself with, at least in a couple ways, is Nanashi from Sword of the Stranger, which was our very first episode. Yep. And I guess the reasons mm-hmm. I would connect with him is he's he's wants to be helpful, wants to help others, but is also a little quick to irritate about it. <laughs> um, and, you know, has a, to use the taken terminology, has a certain set of skills and is able to use those to pretty good effect. So... Um, I can relate to that where I really want to be helpful and um, but unfortunately sometimes you know I can be kind of quick to be irritated as I'm helping others so I, I, I do relate to that at least those character beats from that and relationship wise I mentioned this anime um, but it's the relation the main relationship in the anime 86 and I'm pulling up the character names just because I'm having trouble remembering but it's Shin and uh, the the handler one. Let me get the name real quick. Characters. Uh, so Shin is the main character. Why is it not pulling up? Well, I'll go another relationship that I like since we're in here is Jet and Spike from Cowboy Bebop, which again we've talked about. The they're going to come up. The best ones are going to come up kind of over and over. But that's not a like romantic relationship. It's like a friendship relationship that's all business to kind of start with. And they try to keep it, you know, both of them try to not show uh, like how much they care for each other and stuff. And so that's a good like friendship relationship that I think works really well. All right. So thank you, Merv, for that time. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. So it's Shin and Lena, and it is a romantic relationship and it spans the two seasons And it's one of these situations, almost like a pen pal romance where they have this budding romance in this relationship, but they're, they're never face to face. They're never allowed to meet that type of thing. And so it's, it's very potent, very powerful. 
if anybody wants an anime that will bring you to tears uh, and does have a strong romance, but also a lot of cool robot fight scenes, 86 is, again, I'm give, I'm spoiling our, our episode on it, but it's it's close to a perfect anime, at least the first season is. So what's your favorite anime animal? Because a lot of animes have animal characters in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ayn, again, I'm going to go back to Cowboy Bebop. Ayn is a corgi and I own a corgi. And so I, he does a lot of corgi things in the show. And so uh, that would probably be, have to be my number one. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about corgis in that episode, by the way, people. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of corgis and well, she, uh, also she a lot cameos of... in a lot of our episodes because she'll just yeah. start barking. <laughs> That's true. So my favorite animal in an anime, you might even be able to argue the anime-ness of it. But since it was still drawn in the East, even though it's a story from the West, uh, but there's an anime on Netflix called Dota and it's based off the Dota video game. And there's a like tiger beast in that called Sagan. And it's almost like a He-Man battle cat type of tiger where they, you know, the heroes ride around on this tiger Sagan and it has a level of intelligence and saves them a few times. So I think from a animal character design and also being a part of the show, I, I like Sagan from Dota a lot. What's your favorite fight scene? Merv? Uh, so the sort of the stranger, the end fight scene. Mm, there's a, a there's one moment where a sword breaks off and uh, one of the minions, uh, bad guy. He's like the second or third in command, so he's kind of a above minion status. But he's just like walking around and kind of talking, and then it pans out and he has a sword stuck in his head, and it's a, uh, it's just the whole sequence is really good and it's like unnerving and the action is cool and they actually show the sword fighting mm -hmm. it's a sword fight you've been waiting for for the whole the whole show is are the when are these two gonna fight they keep like seeing each other and eyeing each other and we know an, a lot about both of them and so uh that would be mine so i already mentioned the uh fight in ranking of kings so that would be one of my top for sure but i would also add in the fight between Gearless Joe and Yuri at the end of the first season of Megalobox. So if anybody likes boxing, if anyone likes Rocky, you may have noticed, Marv, I've talked a few times about this because I expect you have people who listen who are not already anime fans. So I'm yep. hoping to pepper in a few options here if, if folks want to you know, see what it's about and maybe watch some shows that are accessible. Uh, Megalobox is highly accessible to Western trained movie going and show watching audiences. And the fight scene between Yuri and Gearless Joe, Gearless Joe is like the Rocky character and Yuri is like the Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren character in Rocky, right? Except more likable. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And then at the end they fight and similar to how in sort of the stranger, like Merv was saying, you've got this whole movie that's been building up to this fight and then you finally get it and it's highly satisfying. Well, in Megalobox is the same thing. You've got this whole season of shows that have built up to this one fight and it is also highly satisfying. 
is a bit of a uh, bit of a thing for people. I am actually very soon uh, taking part in an episode of a podcast called Film Gold, where the discussion is all about the Rocky franchise. Oh, nice! What a great franchise! One of yeah. my favorites. Absolutely. Yep. What's so, your favorite Rocky? Probably I got a f- weird one. It's not going to be my favorite, obviously. Uh, right. Because my favorite is the first one. Okay. I mean, that's my second favorite, but Rocky Balboa is actually my favorite Rocky. Yeah. Then, then number one, then number five, or number four, not number five. <laughs> I thought the first Creed was good as well. I've not seen it's the second one. It's very good. Mm. The second one's good too, not as good as the first one. The first one is great. Mm. I had a, a great movie experience with Creed because I love movie theaters. And the scene, uh, I mean, this is going to be a spoiler, but the movie's like old enough and and people know what's going to happen. But when Creed gets knocked down in the fight at the end and he starts standing up, some guy in the back yells, go get him, Creed. And it's just <laughs> so great. I love when audiences are getting into the movie. Like, yeah. it's like we're really ringside. We weren't. We're in a theater, but I love it. I thought it was good what they did with the character of Rocky himself as well. Yeah. How they made him that character in that film as well. The Obi-Wan. Yeah, basically. Yeah, He's turned into Mickey. Yeah. So what's your favourite dialogue from an anime or sequence of, of dialogue? Sequence of dialogue. Or specific line maybe that jumps out at you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's hard to not do it with spoilers, I guess, is the challenge, Mm -hmm. because I think most of the best dialogue sequences are when something very impactful happens. And usually it's a spoiler. So what the like the first one that popped into my head was Ranking of Kings conversation between Hilling and Dida and Boji, the two princes at the end of that season where she has a conversation with them kind of breaks who her character usually is publicly and, you know, embraces the two princes, right? That's how much I'll give away without okay. getting too spoilerific. So that's one for sure. Well done. Thank you. The other one <laughs> that popped into my head and I've already mentioned 86 a few times for Cubrians one, I, I really enjoyed this anime and two, it's very fresh in my mind because we're going to be talking about it soon. Um, but I actually watched both seasons, the first and the second season. And at the end, almost to the end of the second season, I mentioned already that you've got these two characters and they're in a romance and they're not directly interacting. Well, there's a sequence at the end where, again, they're not directly interacting. But one of the two knows more about that conversation than the other. That's as much as I'll say there. And that knowledge that the one character has and the other character doesn't makes that dialogue, makes that conversation so impactful, so emotional, because, you know, it's kind of like when we're told a secret as an audience that the characters don't know, except for instead of that, it's one of the characters knows the secret that the other character doesn't. And you add in the kind of the romance to it and the decision that, you know, Merv talked about decisions, right? This also has it's a big decision for the one character with the knowledge to not reveal said knowledge to the other character. So it has almost everything great about storytelling packed into this one conversation. So that one is one of my favorites as well. Okay. Merv? I like um, in, so the character of Goblin Slayer is this 
he's very socially awkward, probably antisocial disorder or something. You could probably throw any psychological term you want on him. And as he's trying to change, he's listening to, there's a lot of great lines in that actually, in that show. Um, But as he's starting to change, uh, people are kind of telling him he's got this very one track mind to kill goblins. Hence the, the, his name goblin slayer. And as he's trying to change, he, uh, someone's telling him, you know, this, maybe we should do this. And he's like, no, we got to do this. And she's like, well, I thought you were going to start uh, changing and taking our, and he's, and he's like, I thought I was. And just, he's like, just his confusion that he was letting them speak first was him like taking their point of view and like (laughs) learning and stuff. And just that character struggling and the show is not super serious, obviously. um, But it has, but those tonal moments where you kind of really suddenly feel for a character who's not a joke, but you're not, you know, he's, he's called goblin slayer and all he does is kill goblins. And all he talks about is killing goblins and, and to have those like kind of, pseudo serious moments where you understand this, where you suddenly sympathize with a character who's really trying to do something, but doesn't know how to do it socially is, um, is a really, is a really cool moment. Yeah. I love those moments too, Mervin, that where he'll say or do something. And then the other characters will tell him about what he just said or right. did. And he'll be like, was it that's, that's he'll say that. Was it, was it that way? Did I? Cause he's, to your point, completely confused about whether or not the way he's interacting socially is appropriate or not. So yeah, that's a good one. So what shows or films would you suggest that people go to then? Hmm. As, as you know, as newbies, as we call them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I made a video on this, so you can go check that out. The top five animes to watch first for beginners. Yep. Um, And there's actually, I think I actually ended up with like eight of them on there. But um, a lot of the ones we've already mentioned, I mean, if you hear us mention these animes when you're asking us, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite this? And these ones come up over and over. Those are generally a good place um, to start. Uh, More or less, those are a lot of them that we've mentioned over and over. Ranking of Kings, Cowboy Bebop, Your Name. Those all end up on that list. Yep. Erased is another one that we've brought up for Mm -hmm. sure. Erased is very good for people getting into anime. It's a little more adult. It has more adult themes, but it's not, you know, crazy and there's not over sexualization of anything. It's, um, there's not too much anime goofiness as I call it. Yeah. But I mean that in a a loving way, a really cool story. If someone wants to look at something that is a little bit more out there, a little bit more anime style, but still approachable and a little bit more on the mature side of things, more from a violence and and gore standpoint than Mm -hmm. anything. But there's an anime, uh, it's fairly recent, it's like 2017, something like that. It's called Made in Abyss. And basically the the storyline is there's this hole that's opened up in the world and it's this super deep abyss. And if you think of like the seven circles of hell, that type of thing, that's kind of this abyss. There's multiple layers and each layer is more difficult with more challenges and 
sicknesses and things that will affect you. And it's about these kids almost in kind of Goonies fashion, making their way down into the abyss and their adventures within. And uh, it's, it's a really cool anime, a little bit harder one to find. Uh, I think yeah, Erased only... is also on Netflix, so that makes yeah. it super easy for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I think in order, the only place I know to get made in Abyss right now is through a streaming service called High Dive. But you can get two weeks free, so someone could sign up for two weeks, watch it, and if they decide they like anime, keep it. It's five bucks a month for the service. But um, yeah, Made in Abyss is one I would recommend. Like Merv said, you know, Erased is right on Netflix, so that makes it easy. Megalobox we brought up that is a, mm. a excellent one for people to get into who are just looking at anime um you know i'd even i don't know ranking of kings has got a little bit of strangeness to it but if you're a big disney fan but also can handle some little bit more mature elements then i think ranking of kings would be good um i think uh honestly to get a a very mainstream start to anime i think jujitsu kaisen zero is a good place to start it's got okay. weirdness it's got some goofiness that if you want to get into anime it'll give you like a little taste but it's still mostly serious and the animation is mostly um it's got it's some of the quick cuts that anime has where people's heads get giant and stuff like that so it gets you a little taste of it but it's not over the top and it's a complete story and then if you like yeah. that, you can go check out the season or. So going back, yeah. to, your sh- going back to your show then. So um, what, what the music and the, the sound, I mean, this is, so what, what, how did the, where did the music come from that you use for the show and, um, <laughs> yeah. and the sounds as well, where do they come from? How did you, where, how did you get those? All right. So I'm going to give, I'm um, exclusive. For your podcast, Marv, I'm going to go ahead and give up some of my secrets. All right. So the music is a compilation of copyright free songs that are what are called Creative Commons Zero. Yep. So for anyone who's not familiar with Creative Commons Zero, I mean, shoot, if you're talking about podcasts, I'm sure this may have come up once or twice, but... Creative Commons Zero means that you can use it for whatever, no fear of anything copyright. But the song itself, I actually have reached out to the creator of the song and told them that we've used it for our opening and really enjoyed it, and they've responded back. So I have had dialogue with them, but initially that's where it came from is a Creative Commons Zero song that I found online. The effects themselves, so there's an amazing website called Freesound. And what's great about free sound is you can type in anything you want a sound of. And then one of the options that you can choose from, and it's all completely free is you hit creative Commons zero. And what that does is that gives you a list of those, those sound effects where no attribution is required. You can use it without being afraid of copyright. So as I'm editing it's a little bit stream of consciousness as I'm editing, editing an episode. I'm like, Oh, that would be a really good point to put in a sound effect or to put in a little something. So if it's not something I already have in my bank of sound effects, I'll go to, um, free sound, look up like, you know, ducks quacking or whatever, hit creative Commons zero A list will come up. I find one I like, and I download it. But then what anyone who does a lot of editing, will find is you start 
hoarding some of these sounds and, and loops and things like that. And you start to keep a memory of the ones that you like a lot and you'll start to reuse some of it, that type of thing. But yeah, those are my, uh, I guess, trade secrets on, on where we got other than the Molly stuff we already talked about, but where we get a lot of our uh, effects and sounds and things like that. Absolutely. I keep getting, um, I keep getting emails every now and again, telling, telling me when people have used my sounds that are on oh, free nice. sound. Cause That's I've got awesome. different music bits on there. So okay. occasionally somebody will say, oh, and they'll leave a message saying, oh, thanks. Thanks for the tambura, which is an Indian instrument. Hey. I've got a piece yeah. on there and there's some percussion that I've played and all sorts of bits of guitar and, and occasionally every now and again, I'll get somebody's used your music. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. And thank you. I guess, thank you for contributing yeah. to, uh, to, you know, the free sound because there's so many of us creators that we would not be able to make near as professional sounding or as good as sounding content without folks willing to do that. Cause it's not like we're getting rich making this podcast, right? We're, no. we're not, <laughs> um, I mean, so I we, am. <laughs> but I'm hiding all the the finances from playing it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you see it all with all that stuff behind you. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to pay twelve bucks for that music yep. sample or twenty four right. bucks for a duck quacking or you know we just we wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm just I'm always grateful when I hear of people contributing to that. Uh, one other thing I want to throw out there too. This is an anime kind of going back a question that everyone's heard of, but. I'd recommend Death Note as a great anime to look at if you're getting into it. Um, it's what restored my fandom and interest in anime quite a few years ago at this point, but I'd taken a little break from anime and then watched all of Death Note and it catapulted me right back into watching a ton of anime. So there's just one that popped in my head as we were talking, so I thought I'd throw it in there. Well, luckily, your introduction to anime is probably more more something that you'll you'll mention rather than I shouldn't really mention this. My my, my introduction was probably the very butchered oh, was it called Gatchaman or whatever, and they they made it into Battle of the Planets. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right, and not not as fun of one maybe. Mm. <laughs> tough, one yes. to, tough one to latch on to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Helsing is another one that was early on when I was getting into anime. And if anyone likes vampire stuff, Helsing is an, a great anime to get into. Wow. Um, so, yeah, to your point, I was real lucky. Like, I somehow just stumbled on some really good anime to watch starting off that was weird, but not too weird to turn me off to anime. And then. We talk about this a lot too on the show as you start to learn the language of anime. And now at this point, it could be the weirdest anime trope, the weirdest anime thing that exists. And it just feels normal because it's like you've learned another language mm -hmm. and the way you process entertainment has completely changed. So like just, at first it's like watching a commercial for a product, you know, in a, a different language, like Snickers and they're talking and it's, some language you don't understand, blah, 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 Snickers, blah, 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 blah. And that's like at first. And so you're like, this is strange or funny or off-putting, but then it's like, you're starting to learn the language. So now you're picking up more of the words and then eventually you know the language. And so it doesn't, you're, you're completely in control of it at that point. 
Yeah, I mentioned to Merv before when I've spoken to Merv, I mentioned to him about my younger brother uh, who speaks Japanese and went to Japan and he's married to a Japanese wife. He actually started learning Japanese through watching Pokemon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very good. I have some Pokemon on this shelf right behind me. Yes. Mostly Bulbasaur, which actually crossed my mind when you said fav- favorite anime animal. The first thing that popped in my head was Bulbasaur, but I didn't know if, like, I don't think that's what we're looking for. So I'm going to go with Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. I would have counted the Pokemon. <laughs> you know, Dragon Ball, that's that's part that's part of anime for, young, for youngsters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. With some very adult themes peppered in here and there, yes, um, yeah, yeah, that that make it controversial. But um, I don't know. I'm we're not necessarily as prudish as all that. Like I don't think they need to change Dragon Ball because there's there's so much entertainment. Think about The Simpsons. The Simpsons has significantly more adult themes. Shrek has significantly more adult themes than. Dragon Ball does, and yet, again, this is part of why we decided to tackle is the West a threat on anime for our next episode, because we're starting to see some of the outrage stuff start to target anime, and it's a concern of ours. And thankfully, a lot of the anime uh, producing companies and creators have said, yeah, we're not going to listen to that when we make decisions about the stories, but you still worry about the influence it's having. And we talk, we'll, we're talking about that a lot in the episode, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a concern because Dragon Ball is a beloved anime and it's another one where a lot of people first got into anime was watching Dragon Ball. So, so uh, the, the logo as well, that, that pretty, that's pretty cool. That, that is the, that's the haircut of, I'm trying to think of the character. Who's is is am I right in thinking it's somebody's haircut? It's just a, a stylized. I was um, working on a logo. Uh, I've done a little graphic design, mostly like book covers and stuff, and some logo work. And so um, I just wanted a spiky haired, like kind of what people think of when they think of anime. And I think a lot of that comes from Goku. Speaking of Dragon Ball Z, as you think of that, like spiky hair. So I just wanted something that was recognizable as a any anime character and um i drew one first and then i cleaned it up and we have the one that we have now and we went with purple as a color scheme because not many people use purple it means like it's royal you know if you want to go into color theory and stuff uh sophisticated royal um but also uh like honest and trustworthy and stuff so we kind of went with purple because if you zip through any, almost any social media or podcast site or um, corporation, corporate logo work, you very rarely see purple used anymore. So we wanted to kind of stand out in that way. Merv has actually drawn an anime character. You'll find on some of our stuff, like a full fleshed out anime character. And we named him Shin and so mm-hmm. I, I like that character a lot. And then the logo outline. Yeah, Merv has, Merv has done all of the artistry. And I'm glad, Marv, that you thought of an anime character when you saw it. Because that means that his work is 
worked as intended. It's been right. effective, right? <laughs> if it stood out to you in that way. So yeah, that's that's really good. That's really good to hear. So what advice would you give to somebody starting a podcast themselves? Wherever you like, want to say anything or you want me to go? Oh, I mean, I think I like the most important thing is like find something that you can have fun with um, first and foremost. Because like I said, we actually went through a few ideas and like we're talking like what could we do? Um, we both kind of wanted to make some content. Blake was already doing um, some content stuff. So we were talking about like podcasts or videos that we could do. And a lot of it's like, well, we could do this, but, you know, like maybe this would be popular or this would be. But what I mean, I think you really got to do something that doesn't you don't want it to feel like a job or you're just going to burn out like right away. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a ton of advice. Um, so first, <laughs> I think what's really important when you're thinking of a topic is something that has legs, not something you're going to have to work to find that it's going to be difficult to find content. And so there was a podcast that's completely different. That was an inspiration for me. And it's Jim Haydinger's uh, Campfire Stories podcast. And basically what he does is he has people call up and tell ghost stories on the podcast, like ghost stories they've experienced. And then that's his podcast. And I thought, wow, that is a genius idea for a podcast because literally he has to do none of the work, right. none of the research, like the listeners just feed him the content indefinitely. And it's interesting content and it's different every time. Um, and I was even on that podcast once. Uh, unfortunately, my episode is behind a paywall, which is a bummer, but um, <laughs> I was on it once too. So that really got me thinking about, okay, when you're doing a podcast, you, you want to have something where you're not going to struggle for content. So if I'm doing a, a podcast on how to build a house, like eventually you're going to run out of how to build a house stuff to talk about. You're going right? to have built the house. Yeah, exactly. But like Marv, your podcast is perfect for this too, because mm -hmm. it's a podcast on podcasts. So there's an unlimited well, well, not unlimited, I guess what's the number now, like 2 billion podcasts or something. So, yeah, so you, you've, got, you've only got a, a, a billion and 900 million, 990,000 <laughs> some still right. to do. And then, then what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, just the English is, speaking ones. <laughs> exactly, right. Exactly. Well, yeah, and you've got to line into Japanese speaking ones as well with uh with your brother. So that who knows how many that adds, but for us it's a similar situation because there's always anime to talk about. There's always new anime coming out. There's always new stories to tell. So it's this inexhaustible well to pull from. So don't limit if you're going to make a podcast make sure you have that inexhaustible well um second is it just comes from business background but marv you've talked about this a lot is our brand you know a lot of the things that have stood out to you about our podcast is are things that we've intentionally put in there from a branding standpoint so one i'm excited that those things are are working as intended but the logo the the coloring um some sort of because podcast is so you know audio based right for the most part 
is you've got to have some audio triggers that will brand your podcast. What are some things that listeners will hear every time so that when they hear that, they know it's you. They know what they're going to hear. And these triggers will teach them to come back to your podcast more and to enjoy your podcast more. So anything you can do from a branding-wise uh to differentiate yourself in that way, or at least have some sort of identity. It doesn't have to be new and inventive and crazy. It can be, you know, normal stuff, but it all has to be cohesive and consistent every episode, some sort of branding. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, I, I've been really impressed with the, you know, it's just, it's handwritten on a piece of paper, but I'm really impressed with the outline that you sent us of what we're going to talk about today. Like, it was obviously well thought out. It's very specific to our podcast and what we're going to talk about today. And I think that it was very well done. And similarly, we try to have some sort of strategy of what we're going to talk about when we're going to talk about it. I think Merv would agree with me that when we listen to some podcasts that aren't as engaging to us, it's very, it's too much off the cuff, right? A little off the cuff yeah. is fun and interesting and stream of consciousness conversations are fun and interesting, but just a solely stream of consciousness podcast gets a little old quick because people are jumping on top of each other and it's hard to stay engaged with because there's no structure to it. So at least have some mild structure to what you're going to talk about when each episode. So yeah, I should say you don't want it to feel like a job, but if you want to be successful, you still have to treat it like a job. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you still have to, set aside time for it, schedule it, do some work for it. Like you obviously did some homework here. I have that same outline right here in front of me. We're not surprised. All the spaces filled. This has been a long, fun conversation that we never were questioning. Wait, where are we? What are we? What? Mm -hmm. Long silences or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the whole idea of it is like you said, you know, so you have a set uh, or I have a I have a set um, for each each one is is designed individually to to go with whoever the guest is. Yeah. Um, so I will listen to episodes of their shows, or if, if it's not a show and it's somebody who makes videos, because I've had them as well on the show. Then I I've spent time actually checking out their work and what they do and what they've put out, so I can base my final bullet points or my ideas around that. So you have an idea of the points that you've got to hit, but whatever happens tangentially from that is, is great. So long as you know, to be able to reel it back in and get those points in there that need to be hit. Yeah. And it's, it's called Brit. What you're talking about, part of what you're talking about in media is called bridging. And you've yep. done that a few times for us. So we've gone down into a little bit of a tangent and then it, that tangent will end and you will bridge us back to what you want to talk about in the show. And yeah, that was done very well. You can, you can tell that you've, you've bridged people quite a bit back, back on track. So yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm better at it now than I was when I first started. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> That's good. It was a bit too clunky when I first started. It can be tough. It can be tough to know when to 
and you know this at this point, but it can be tough to know when to interject, when to bridge back, when to let that tangent breathe a little bit longer. Um, but also it can be tough to redirect people until you're confident about that. Cause you're like, ah, oh, do I really want to like tell them what to do? But you learn to do it in a way where you're bridging people the right way and they appreciate you guiding the conversation, so to speak. Yeah. It's also allowing the guest to go off on those tangents is a way to introduce new listeners to them as people. Mm -hmm. So they know who they are as people. And that's sort of a, it's sort of a micro version of showing them what their show is about. Yeah. It's a really good point because otherwise it's, it could end up just being your show and us talking on your show versus them getting to experience what our show is like. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point. So what podcast do you like to listen to yourselves? Well, Blake mentioned Simping for Senpai. There's, we have a couple uh, kind of like in our anime circle. Um, Baka Talk is another one. Shonen Flop is another one uh, that, um, I, I, there's always, I'm always like, who am I missing? Who, who should I be talking about? <laughs> um, and there's also, we've done some stuff with, uh, walk the cinema is a movie podcast, um, that I think is uh, really entertaining for, especially if you like, like obscure movies that people, they're not talking about Dr. Strange. No. They're talking about some movie you've maybe heard of tertiarily. And so, uh, it's, it's more interesting in that regard. Like you can find something kind of um, like kind of off the wall there. Uh, and then I listen to a lot of uh, paranormal stuff. I like conspiratorial stuff. I like a little true crime. Um, I listen to like a lot of writing podcasts because I enjoy that stuff. So there's like the Stephen King cast or um Brandon Sanderson does a couple podcasts I listen to like that are kind of like well-known podcasts. Uh, so that's kind of uh, my list there. And of course, pods like us. Mm-hmm. That, that little Best show. one on the list. <laughs> if you've ever heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you uh, heard of um, let's make a sci-fi? No, no. Tell us about it. That um, so it's it's a bunch of the basically comedy writers and uh, famous for writing comedy. I can't remember who the presenters are now or, or, or who the writers are, but they decided just to do a show where they're trying to create a science fiction show for the first time. So they're changing genre completely and they're trying to mm. work out what so they're looking into, you know, what are the tropes of sci-fi, what you look for, and they're, look, they're trying to basically create their own sci-fi show. That sounds That's really cool. good. There's there's yeah. one that I listened to called Story Break. They don't do it anymore. They ended about six months ago. Um, but they do a similar – it's a writing podcast that does a similar kind of thing. And I always like um, podcasts where, like, it's, like, just kind of people hanging out. So there's, like uh, – Florida Man on Florida Man is one that I listen to quite a lot. Um, Baka 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 is, I, I think they're, they think they're anime, but I would call them anime adjacent, but it's like just a group <laughs> of guys uh, like that talk, talk about different movies and, and you sometimes it's an anime and stuff. So there's like that, that I almost think that's a genre unto itself is like some people hanging out 
together and then they do a podcast. Yeah. I listen to a lot of the big ones. You know, I do listen to Rogan. I listen to Lex Friedman. I listen to This American Life Radio Lab. You know, a lot of the bigger mainstream ones. But honestly, the, the um, and I guess maybe this is a piece of advice for podcasters and something I had to, and I, hopefully he's not upset with me bringing this up, but something I had to go back and forth with Merv a little bit on at first is, the podcast I listen to the most is our podcast. Yep. And the reason I listen to our podcast the most is because I'm always looking for how can it be better? How could we improve it? How did the audio quality turn out? Are there artifacts in the audio I could have cleaned up somehow? So I'm, I'm, I listen to our podcast more than the other <laughs> podcast. Um, and I know now Merv does as well. And we'll talk about like how that last episode went and what we could do differently, that type of thing. So from a podcasting advice standpoint, I, I would think that should be the number one podcast podcasters listen to. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of them, they just put it out and forget it. And then they miss that opportunity, right? I thought you were saying that the number one advice should be they should listen to our podcast. That's the number two advice. Oh, okay. If number you're a two. podcaster. I mean, you got to okay. at least give them a chance to make their podcast good and Fair. then make sure they listen to ours. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, our friends ones, you know, Walk the Cinema, Simbi Per Senpai, all that. Uh, Unobscured is another one that I like. So I guess that's a few off the top of my head. Can you send me links to those on the the, the Twitter that we've got going, that chat, mm-hmm. please? Yep, I can send you a yep. link to some to the ones I remember that we said. Thanks. But going off, just carrying on with what you were saying about, you know, listening to your, your own show. I mean, even, even I've done that where it's changed over time. So I've, it's, is it sort of, is it stretching the actual format? But not really. It's looking at it and seeing how you can take that format and bring it, take it somewhere else, mm-hmm. slightly different. So that's why very early on, I use this format, but then every few episodes or so, I will get podcasters from completely different shows in and we have a chat about a specific mm. subject, like when I had this had the um, I had four four guests from different shows on the other week on a bonus, and we talked about the I was saying about the the anniversary of the first Sam Raimi Spider Man film, and they were from all four different shows, yeah. and that's something different then as well. Where I thought, well, that takes them out of their zone with the pe- they're not with the same people that with all the time that with different people they're not used to. And you get a whole different feel there, but you get to know them as people, as podcasters. So that's an alternative that I've done from the beginning. And then a couple of episodes, I've had actual listeners on who don't make podcasts. And they've told me then, it's looking at it from the other angle then of mm. what are they listening for? So it's it's in a way helping us as podcasters. If we listen to what they're saying, it's like, well, this is what they like about this. They don't like about this. And then that gives yeah. us something to learn from. So it's turning it on its head. And and then recently something else I've tried is I've had video creators or film cre- creators on who make, uh, you know, YouTube videos and things like that. So it's using the whole, so it's the whole of the, it's expanded it slightly out of the podcasting world, but to a, but it's still the same sort of world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are very similar and really smart ways to expand the scope of your show 
in ways that I'm sure came from spending time with your content and thinking, you know, what could I do to enhance this? I really like the idea of having podcast listeners on. Yeah. I mean, probably much more value than valuable than even listening to us prattle on, you know, for an hour about podcasting would be, okay, here's some people who listen to a ton of podcasts and this is what they're looking for. So if you want a successful podcast, then there's your formula right there. That's genius. We even did. um, We even switched up our format of people listen back to the beginning from us listening to it. And we both kind of actually came together at the same time. We're like, yeah, this is, this is what's not working as we used to do all the things we didn't like about a show first and then all the things we did like about it. And we kind of front loaded our episodes with bitching. And Mm -hmm. so we were like, I don't think this is, you know, we both listened to it and we were listening to our shows and we're like, it's kind of draining up front to have that kind of first. So now we shuffle that together and here's the thing we don't like. Here's the thing we like, here's the thing we don't like and try to make it a little more conversational instead of just, a list of things we don't like and a list of things we do like it. And it actually works a lot better in terms of like the flow for the conversation and, and everything. So don't be afraid to, when I'm, when I have, when I'm teaching writing, one of the things I always say is revision is writing. And it's the same thing here, you know, like don't be afraid to change big things or make big changes. Uh, Cause if it doesn't work, you can always change it back. I've got up to February says, please don't tell me that you've changed the format of having the rating at the beginning. Cause I no. think that's brilliant. Yeah. That no, was something no. we did early on, decide on early on and have always stuck with. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of our favorites too. So really there's been three big changes we've made since starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is what Merv talked about with, um, you know, it, it did feel very, it felt like we were going to negative town for an hour. Right. And then we would go to positive town. All so, our energy would be spent in, in the, in the negative place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what we're going after. Uh, the other thing was we used to both do an about section at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I forgot about that. Yeah. I would talk about what it's about. And then from my perspective, and then Merv would talk about what it was about from his perspective. Then we go into the writer and it just, the about section was way long and it was very repetitive. So (laughs) now I do the about, that's my thing. Merv does the writer's perspective. That's his thing. And then we work together on the likes and, and diss track or dislikes. So, (laughs) you know, again, if we weren't listening to our shows, we would never have picked up on those things. And then the third one we already mentioned, which was the name, because we were bumping into so many, animations in fact our youtube channel got shut down for a while and i believe it was because they got animations confused or something i don't know but we had to fight to get the youtube channel back and it was at that point that we were like okay maybe we need to change this up because obviously (laughs) animation it's a cool play on the word animation um but that was yeah that was the third big change we made and it was just a little switch around because it was the animation show and now it's anime show shin. Yep. yep. Just a very clever. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you and get hold of you? Super easy. It's so easy. www.animeshoshin.com. So A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-S-H-I-N.com. 
all of our links are there. Basically, we just set it up so that there's another trick, I guess, or tip for podcasters. We've got our domain, yep. animeshoshin.com, and then we just link it to the link tree. So instead of having to be like, go to the link tree and it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, blah, 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 right? Yep. We just got a domain for 12 bucks and now it sounds all professional, but really it's just bringing you to our link tree with our links to everywhere you can listen to us, our YouTube, our Discord, all of the things are right on that site. And you can find us on Twitter at AnimeShoshinPod. Um, and if you go to our website, there, there's a link there that'll allow people to join our Discord, um, which has grown the last week. Got got a little influx of new blood, um, but we were on there. Um, so you can like talk to us directly. We're pretty much normal guys. So Yeah. Well, except for I'm a little bit less accessible than Merv. Merv does a really <laughs> good job with like the Twitter and discord and managing all that i do need to get better there's something i need to get better at is being more involved in those things and and i need the I attention or i feel worthless so <laughs> nice um so he he's done a real good job with managing that and i'm committed to being more involved in the in the social aspects of it as well but you've got different aspects haven't you that, that you're both so you know what you need for the podcast to get it out there you've both got those elements that that are needed to do that mm-hmm. yeah yeah, we we definitely complement each other really well. Our skill well. sets do, yeah, do yeah. line up pretty well yeah. for this sort of thing. Yep. Yep. You're like Liam Neeson in the first Taken. Right. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Don't bother with any of the sequels. No, absolutely not. Never have. No. Anyway, you can find Pods Like Us just by looking on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Just look for Pods Like Us. Make it easy as possible. Uh, just like email is podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me, guys. Man, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Marv, I, I love your show. This was a super fun and engaging conversation. And I know I've already said this before, and it's not just because I'm sitting on your show, but, show, but you're doing a really good job with the format, my friend, and, and guiding the conversation. So well done, and thank you so much. Thank you very much. And now that it's 25 past four in the morning, I think I should get to bed. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Nah. All right. At that point, you might as well stay up. Right. Well, yes. <laughs> Go and get a cup. So thank you very much for listening, everyone, and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. It's amazing. I'm going to cut it now. <laughs>